Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is a place where Jill and I talk about how we are growing as individuals and how we're building a firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable. There's always more to learn and we want to share what we have learned and what we're still learning. And today we're going to talk about being out of the office. Let's just talk about the opposite of of all the things that we're learning and just get <laughs> get out of here. So get yeah. out of here. Go on, get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we're as we're approaching your end and, and the holidays right before busy season, like our team tends to get a little bit slower. And we really like when people take time away from the office to spend time, especially with their family and loved ones. And the holidays are a great time to do that. And this is a great time to talk about it. So as we are likely having team members taking time off, actually, I know we are. <laughs> I've already approved a few time off requests. We want to guide them into how they can do that really effectively and how they can plan effectively so that everything that needs to happen while they're out can happen without them needing to be essential in the office during their days off that were already approved. So I think a lot of companies will have not a lot of process for coverage and that's challenging. We've we've definitely run into that in the past, but that's one of the biggest hurdles is if you have consistently recurring work and work that is very client specific and, and individual specific, how do you transfer that to someone else for someone to be able to take vacation or time off? So I think that's one of the biggest hurdles for most companies is just being able to having coverage. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the how of how we do this. But first, I want to clarify that this is for planned time off, not unexpected time off. So if you have an emergency pop up or you're sick all of a sudden and you didn't expect to be, you know, obviously, if you've got doctor's appointments that are pre-planned, that's a planned unexpected absence. But if you don't know you're going to be out and it's unplanned and it's an emergency or some sort of urgent situation, this plan doesn't apply. It's not going to work. That's a completely different scenario and you will want to create some clarity for your team on how they can handle those kinds of situations because that's just life. It happens. So we have a completely different process for how we handle emergency situations. But when the time out of the office can be planned, we want to create as much clarity as we can for our team so that they know what their part is and we know what our part is, and they have clarity and peace of mind that when they're out of the office, they're not going to have to check in to make sure stuff is happening. So many firms do that. And I just, it's not a great way to spend your time off. So here's our how. Anna, you want to get us started with some of the breakdown of how we do this? Yeah. Well, I think also before we dive into the how, the other thing I've noticed in a lot of firms, besides not really having a plan for coverage, is maybe they'll have some amount of the logistics of of even just how to request time off, but usually not. You know, it's usually <laughs> kind of informal, especially for those of us, you know, that started as technicians, we're building out a firm, we're learning how to do HR adjacent activities. So we tend to just go, well, I don't know if someone wants time off, they can ask and and I'll say yes or no, or you know, it, it's too vague. It's too informal. And it's all about the logistics of, is it okay or not okay to take the time off? It doesn't mm. really get any further into having that team member contribute to what happens to the work that is on their plate while they're off. And so this is both giving some logistics of how to structure just the request in and of itself, like having a formalized plan for that, that also doesn't have to feel 
so formal. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, dear sir or madam, can I <laughs> formally request the pleasure of time off? But but also in helping guide our team members in how to plan for time off. So logistics. First up, we like to ask team members if they're planning on being out of the office because we have flexible schedules. Is it are you asking to take time off or are you asking to, you know, shift something else around? Like, are are you letting us know you have a doctor's appointment, but also you have a flexible schedule. So as long as you're not, you know, missing a meeting, you can kind of move your schedule around. You know, we don't even necessarily need to know that you have a doctor's appointment like you do you. Not every firm is going to be that way. And so for some people, they would need to request, you know, that that time off. So, you know, but for us, we want to clarify, are you are you officially asking for day or days that you will have your out of office reply on that you will not be available for messages or meetings. Like that's really what we we wanted to help clarify for our team to start. Are you actually asking for time off? So how yeah. do they do that now? Well, before I get into how they do that, I think just to kind of drill into that, um, I think the clarity that that process or that like delineation gives is really helpful because there are circumstances where, okay, you want to take a few weekdays off across a weekend so that you can have a proper vacation, but take as few business days off as possible. We've had team members request, you know, five or six days off and be able to shift their deadlines around collaboratively with us to make all that work fit in the weeks before and after their time off. And so like what we like to ask is, do you need to take time off? Because you're welcome to, and you're welcome to save up those hours and just use the benefit of our flexible schedule. So I think that's a huge one. That doesn't apply to all firms because most firms work Monday through Friday, nine to five, standard hours, things like that. But if you have any flex, it's one of the ways that keeps us from having to do coverage when we don't really need to. If someone is able to do their work and they want to, and they don't actually have any qualms with doing the work before they leave and then catching up after they leave, like, great, no coverage needed, no time off needed. Like, cool. <laughs> win, win, win. Like we're all good. So I, I think that delineation is really helpful and being able to think a little bit outside the box when it comes to how you're responding to time off. My philosophy as a manager in general, but also specifically around time off is as often as I can say yes, I will. If I can say yes, I want to say yes, because I want my team to know that I'm for them, that I want them to take the time off. And that when I say that, I actually mean it by my actions. So approving as often as I can. I will push back. I, I actually pushed back on a team member recently who had requested vacations in advance for next year and is looking ahead. And that's awesome planning. But now she has a deficit in her PTO because she's thinking ahead to July of 2024 and we're in November. So with that, I, I basically had to tell her, you can't take time off in February that's paid, but you're welcome to take unpaid time off. So decline. And then she requested unpaid time off and it works. It's great. So that kind of like thinking outside the box is really helpful, particularly in a hiring crisis, because that capacity need is real. And it's really hard to figure out how you're going to make time off with your team actually work for your firm. And that is one of the ways we found works really well. Well, and one quick note to that, that I just, I, I, a lot of firms do this differently. A lot of companies do this differently, but here's my philosophy on paid time off. You can use it if you have it. Letting people go negative and paid mm -hmm. time off is to me the same as giving an employee loan. 
And I just yeah. think it sets up not good precedent. We don't want our employees to be in debt to us and, and that mm-hmm. we're their bank. And, and in the same way, I don't want them to be in debt to us in time off that's paid, but giving them the option to, Hey, this is how much paid time off you have available. If you want to take more time off, it wouldn't be paid, but you could take it if we can approve that, you know, but not allowing people to go into a deficit in PTO mm-hmm. is just my particular preference. So I'm just going to give that that Agreed. asterisk. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the overarching theme here is make it easy for people to take time off and to handle their business around taking time off. So our big emphasis in our out of office process is what's your part and what's our part. So for employees, their part is really clear in our standard operating procedure. They're responsible for making a proposed plan that includes everything that would need to be done on their behalf during their time off. So if they're actually going to be out of the office, what can you do before you leave or after you leave? And, you know, you can keep as much as you can within reason. And what would need to happen while you're gone? What reports need to be sent out? What what deadlines need to get hit? What team members will need to do something like if you're leading meetings during that week off, like who's covering for you? So we have quite a robust spreadsheet actually that our team has access to. It's a template that gives them kind of guidance around how to make a plan. So this is, these are your clients. This is the responsibilities. This is the list of responsibilities that you have in any given month. And what are you going to do to propose a replacement for that? Are you going to move meetings? Are you going to reschedule them? Are you going to watch them when you come back and send a recap when you come back? Like, is that is that the, the way that you're handling meetings or can they flex? Can they shift? We'll move them as often as we can, but we're not going to reschedule everything for one person. So when they come back, they'll watch the recording. They'll send a recap of what they got from that meeting and any thoughts they had to add to it. And that way they're still participating. It's just a little asynchronous and they're not missing out on that information that was shared in that meeting. So we don't have a ton of meetings at our firm. I mean, we have weekly kind of stand-up meetings and, you know, monthly one-on-ones and things that are, we have some that are flexible and some that aren't. And so I think being able to evaluate like what can move and what can't move and and who can cover me. So it kind of guides them through all of those steps of what are the things that will need to happen if I'm going to be out of the office. And then they have to block time to do a bunch of tasks. So, and we make it really clear what tasks those are. So first, Put in your Slack status a week in advance what dates you'll be out. So right now, I know I'm going to be out next week. I am going to be out at a conference. So in my Slack status, I have a thought bubble and I have, I'll be out of the office Friday 1110 through Thursday 1116. And now everyone on my team internally can see that if they hover over my name in Slack. They have visibility into that. And anyone I'm emailing will see it in my email signature as well. So we have a a process to add an asterisk below your email signature that says, I will be out of the office this date to this date. And you're putting that in your signature well in advance so that the first time someone hears you're taking time off isn't when they get an auto reply from you that you're not available (laughs) because that stinks on the receiving end. So those are a few of them. Anna, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think the theme of that is that there's planning in advance that happens. So that team member reviewing all the work that they need to do, same goes for myself, same goes for you, same goes for anyone on our team that is taking time off, looking ahead to go 
What will someone need to do while I'm out of the office so that I don't need to do anything while I'm out of the office? If I plan to be, you know, really out of the office, I'm taking paid time off. We do not want to conflate paid time off with, yeah, but I'm still just gonna log in and just do a few things and stuff. It's like either Either you are working remotely from somewhere you don't normally work from, in which case you're not taking time off. You're just mm-hmm. changing locations, which I have definitely done. There have been times mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm not taking time off, but we are traveling and and I can make that work. And that's great. That's not this where it's, I am out of the office. We want to encourage people to be a hundred percent out of the office when they're doing that. So what will need to happen in my stead and who could do that for me? And that's a suggestion. That's collaborative. That's not mm-hmm. a, an individual team member delegating their work. And so I think also mm-hmm. that clarity for them of you're making that proposed plan that we'll collaborate on together. And then we'll decide who that makes the most sense for. Because as an individual contributor, you might not know the full capacity of one of your team members. You might not know what else they have going on in their life, like, you know, their manager will. And so I I like that being collaborative. Well, and I also think in addition to that, what we're talking about essentially is peers. And it's not appropriate for peers to delegate work to each other. We don't do that at our firm. It is coming from ops 100% of the time when work is delegated to someone. And if it's not, we're going to have a real different conversation about responsibilities. So like, it should be abundantly clear what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. And that clarity helps our team know that they've got whatever they have handled. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And then and then in addition to, you know, the the proactive but kind of static kind of, you know, neutral ways of saying you're going to be out of the office like changing your Slack status or putting that in your email signature, also actively letting people know that will be impacted that you are going to be out of the office. So I too will be at same conference. I too will be out of the office and then even a bit beyond that. So several weeks in advance, team members that I know that I work with and some of what they do might depend on it, whether me actively being involved or or even just some of my input, letting them know, hey, here's the plan for this coming month. Here's when I'm going to be out. Here's how I can work with you. Here's some ways you could make it easy for me to make sure I'm doing my part for you. Just connecting with people in advance to make sure we're all on the same page that someone's going to be out of the office and there's things that will need to happen while they're out. And, and so I think the more you can clarify how that works, the more neutral it feels. And we'll talk about feelings about being out of the office later, but then, you know, while you're out of the office, also giving your team some standard verbiage to put in their out of office reply. I have seen a myriad of random out of office replies, many of which are just the standard Google phrasing, which is (laughs) not awesome. Fine, I guess. (laughs) Right. And doesn't include really important information. Like if I'm getting your out of office reply, is there someone else that could help me? Mm -hmm. And that might be really good to know versus just I will be out of the office these days. Isn't it's like, Okay, well, what do I do? Well, I need so something. I just have to wait till you're back. 
Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just leaves lingering questions for sure. So I, yeah, that I, I had forgotten that we have that guidance in that template. One of the things that that template does is it means that every client is getting consistent verbiage from their AM, regardless of whether that person is different than the last time they got that message. So you've got really consistent language across team members and clients, but also that template gives guidance about how they can reach out to someone else. And it's not going to go to an individual person. It goes to a Google group, which I think that's one of our biggest like come ups with Google is just like really starting to understand Google groups in the last couple of years and how we can leverage that within the context of our team. Because Google groups will just send emails to a few people when they come into a specific inbox. And so it gives a transferability of information that's really hard to do in other ways. And so we have a Google group for coverage. When someone is out of the office, that's where those emails are going and someone on our team can reply to them. Now, someone can reply directly if they're covering and that's that person is client-facing. But if no one client-facing is responding, we have that Google group to respond from and it still seems neutral because our goal is to have as few people involved as possible because when you don't know who to go to at a company, it causes so much confusion. And so we want a single point of contact. But when that person's out of the office, you need clarity about who to go to. You don't need visibility into who that is all the time. So certain clients do if, you know, if you've got daily stuff that we're taking care of and someone's going to be emailing you, there's no problem with us just letting you know who that is. But there are circumstances where you can send messages from the team, from your coverage Google group, and it makes it so innocuous. And it means that that client is getting a response sooner than that person is back from the office. And maybe that response is, yeah, this person will take care of it when they're back. It might also be, hey, yeah, we'll handle that for you. Got it. Done. Thanks for letting us know. Let us know if there's anything else. So I, I really love that there's guidance for clients about where they can go if they really do need something. But also, there are no bookkeeping emergencies. So we're not really going to jump probably most of the time. It's going to be something that we already knew had a hard deadline. Or we're going to let them know, yeah, we'll definitely handle that. Don't worry about it. But the response is the thing that gives that peace of mind to our clients. So I think that being able to not just get an auto reply, but to get a response from a real person who is giving you an answer, even if that answer is absolutely in a week, it's just the answer that diffuses the stress that instigated the question or the request. So I think that is super, super important. Well, and I think this is the difference between an automatic out-of-office reply that is informational, I will be out of the office, and one that's directional, which is I'll be mm. out of the office and here's who you can reach out to, you know, and, and it's especially important for team members that have multiple roles. So for myself, my out-of-office replies quite a bit longer because it's, Hey, if you are an existing client with a question, reach out to your dedicated account manager. If you're a potential client that would like to work with us, and for whatever reason you got my email address, please reach <laughs> out to hello at a crew and our sales team will connect with you. If you're not sure where to go, then you can reach out to this kind of generic, you know, a crew team email and we will get you to the right place. And while yeah. I was last out of the office, that did happen and we did get them mm -hmm. to the right place. And it was a question that needed a more urgent response because it was, you know, a, a last question to finalize a tax return. And, and so then the team member 
who was most appropriate was able to answer it because we had a process for directing people where to go and things not just landing in my email and my email says, I'm out of the office. It's like, tough luck. Good luck. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's what we want to avoid. Justin, I'm out of the office. Like, well, must be nice, but how are my needs getting met? This should be Mm. directing you. I'm out of the office, but here's how your needs are still getting met. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with recurring service work. I mean, you just can't afford to leave those gaps unless you've got clients that you've been clear with from the jump that that's the way that you guys work together. If you've established a system with your clients that they will have lapses in their service while you're out of the office, like that's awesome that you have clients that are cool with that. I Our firm is really consistent and, and cares a lot about that consistency so that our clients have what they need when they need it and they know when that will be <laughs> consistently. So for us, we tend to just continue services throughout someone's someone's time off, but it may not be the right fit for everyone. You might it might be best to pause in some circumstances, but I think in most cases, at least clarifying how you're still supporting the clients that rely on you is really important. Yeah, I think that's so true for for you know those of you who might be solopreneurs, you know, or you have quite a small team and maybe you don't have space for coverage. It is still letting clients know, letting other team members know in advance what to expect and making sure that everyone is, you know, in agreement that that's all going to work for them or figuring out something that will work. Because the goal is that when you take that time off, you actually get to take that time off. And so if in your mind, there's the script going of how upset they are and how you're not meeting their needs and, you know, how they're feeling about it while you're out of the office, it's just going to put that damper on things. So this is the, how can we proactively plan to take time off in a way that will feel good when we are taking the time off. Um, So where future me will thank past me for doing the legwork of planning effectively so that I could properly take it. I'll I'll say one more thing about planning in advance because I think that's the key. I mean, this is really all about being proactive and not, not, uh, abdicating the responsibility of making a plan and then it feeling like that is happening to you. We have control over this. These are expected days out of the office. So what needs to happen in advance of that is pretty standard. So creating a standard process completely makes sense. But one of the things I love in our process is we ask our team to let their crew know when they'll be out of the office and when they will need to get requests by in order to respond before their leave. So for example, if someone's going to be out next week, hey, crew, I'm going to be out next week from Monday to Friday. Um, If you need anything from me, please let me know before Thursday at noon, and I will make sure I get that to you by Friday EOD. And that is just that clarity of like, if I need something from this person and that isn't something I'm planning for. I need to make a plan for that even, for the request in advance. So it it just gives everyone the guidance of how they can pivot to help someone actually take the time out of the office that we all need to rest and recover from. Well, and life. and to that point, I love that idea because it's it's there's no martyrs here. I, I think it's so no. easy when you're going on vacation or gonna be out of the office, you know 
a lot of us feel bad about that. We, we have these, this mm-hmm. like, like survivor's guilt or something, you know, like mm-hmm. we feel guilty. Yeah. Everyone else is still working and we're going to be enjoying ourselves. <laughs> and so we don't want to ask anyone to accommodate anything more than the literal days we're out of the office. And so we'll kind of plan to work ourselves way harder than we maybe need to in the days before being out of the office because we don't want to ask for anyone to flex for us or any accommodations. And I think encouraging your team, it's okay to ask people to help you in this way because you're going to do the same thing for them when it's their turn. And so here's how we can all be cool to one another, how we can ask for what we need so that even as you're planning ahead for that time off, you're going to say, Hey, if you need something from me, here's when I need it by. So I can do my part back for you. And then make sure I've wrapped everything up that I need before I'm going to be out of the office in a way that isn't, you know, going into crazy overtime or working crazy hours just to be able to stop working and then coming back and working crazy hours to get caught up from not working. So how do we also guide them to getting caught up when they come back? Before we jump to that, I just want to say two more ancillary benefits to doing things that way with like giving coverage and, and asking for what you need of your team in a way that gives them opportunities to show up for you is like a real joy for people. I think when we get asked for a favor or for for input or for, you know, something for for something from someone, typically if you're a kind and generous person, you will feel good that someone wanted to do that. So when we ask our team for help, it actually makes them feel good. I think we assume it makes them feel bad or like it's a burden to them, but it's only a burden if it feels like we're doing that to them. But if we're asking and and no is an option, they can say no. But they can also say yes and that will oftentimes bring our team so much joy. The second ancillary benefit to that, though, is cross-training. You get so much exposure to stuff that you don't interact with when you get to cover someone else's clients for them while they're on leave. So I think that's such a good opportunity for cross-training that we kind of skip over, but I think it's too important not to mention. Well, and that also creates a ton of transferability of clients. If someone has to prep for what someone else would need to know to be able to do this client when they're going to be out of the office, then we are ensuring there's more process. We're ensuring there's how-to videos. Like it's extra steps to make sure that the current process is how we're currently doing it. And it's not a process video from two years ago. And we've actually changed the process three times since then. So it, they don't actually use that platform anymore. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> JK. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. We, we tend to imagine when we're asking for something that it's a burden and most people feel honored and trusted that you would Mm. be asking them to help and that they get to contribute in a meaningful way to you being out of the office. Because again, that reinforces for them that people here can do that. People here Mm -hmm. are encouraged to take time off and others will support them taking time off. And being able to contribute to that means you can reasonably expect to receive it. And so there's just that like contributing, receiving, you know, all of the sides of that, that, that feel good, but we assume everyone's Mm going to think we're jerks. And so we don't want to ask for anything extra. 
And it's, yeah, I, I, I think that is such an easy thing to just tell ourselves in our heads. Like that's a story we're making up. And so we kind of have to reverse that and just go, how do I feel when someone asks me for help? I typically feel honored. Like I, it typically feels good that I can help someone in that way. So it's, yeah, I think that's, that's such a lovely way to say that. And then last in terms of the employee responsibility, I will say one thing that I think we do that I'm like, very proud of. And this is was your idea initially, Anna, but I love oh, that thanks. it's built into our remember. process. Great. Block out the day you come back. Don't don't schedule any meetings. Don't do anything. Don't move all your meetings to that day. Give yourself that day that you will be back in the office to catch up because you will need to. Just expect that you will need. You will have more messages to respond to. You will have more tasks than you expected. And even if you had coverage, there's a mental space that that occupies until you've gotten through it. And so if you can give yourself the gift of a full day to catch up, it makes such a big difference for your ability to actually do that and not resent coming back to work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me this time that and scheduling wise doesn't work out. So, you know, it's, it, that's yeah. the ideal. That's not necessarily going to be required, but if at all possible, blocking that day, planning extra time for messages, planning extra time to get caught up, just being kind to yourself, having reasonable yes. expectations that the day you come back from being out of the office is not a regular day. There are things that held for you while you were out that then all come due. And so <laughs> if you plan for that to be a regular day and then act surprised that there's extra, you've planned for there to be extra inadvertently. Mm -hmm. So let's just make a plan for that. It, it's so kind yeah. to future you. Yeah, absolutely. On the reverse side of this, the employer, us, we as managers and, and employers need to have quite a bit of part in this. I think the planning piece being on our team members has made such a difference for that plan being effective and clear and getting all of the coverage we need. But on the receiving end of that request, my, I think I said this earlier in the episode, but I will say yes as often as I can. I, I think that is a good standard rule for a couple reasons. One, I think it's really good for morale. <laughs> if, if you can say yes and you do, then being able to give your team time off is wonderful. The second benefit is actually a little bit more strategic, maybe like not in a good or bad way, but it's, it's, I think it's really good for business. When an employee has accumulated PTO and they leave your company, which almost every employee, if not every employee of your company will do at some point, they leave with that cash. And so you're paying all of that in a big chunk when you lose someone, which is incredibly painful. I'm already losing a team member that may have been essential to my company. And I have to pay them not just for the work that they did, but for all the time they didn't take off that they accumulated. That is expensive and not just in dollars, in emotion. And so I think encouraging your team to take time off is good for them, but it's also good for your company. It means that you have predictability with your costs across time. You can kind of average that cost out across a year, depending on how many people you have, instead of just hoping that no one ever leaves. <laughs> it's not a good plan. So I, I just want to highlight the benefit to businesses. I don't think that's the right why for saying yes, but I do think like it's helpful to imagine 
the no and the potential trade-offs to that no. And I think the expense is a big one. So beyond just saying yes as often as we can, it is also our just our responsibility to decide on the actual plan. So if someone suggests a team member to do something and that team member doesn't have that skill set or that's not the right person or we know something about their capacity and that isn't the right fit, it's our job to make a different plan. So you gave us the proposal. Thank you so much for your ideas. Let's collaborate on what will actually make sense because we might have information that our team doesn't. So making an actual plan and then communicating that plan, making sure everyone involved is a yes in involvement. So when someone is doing coverage, it's always a question, which I really like that we do. It is challenging because no is always an option here. There are trade-offs to everything. So there are trade-offs to your no, but you don't have to say yes just because we asked. And I think that makes a big difference for the team wanting to say yes. <laughs> but I also think that it means that you risk that the coverage you think you have is not quite what you do have. And so I like that we do this because it is respectful to our team, but it is a challenge on the management side. Because if everyone on my team declines supporting because they don't have capacity or they don't want to or whatever, and no is always an option, who does that work? <laughs> and that's never happened. I can't imagine a scenario in which that would happen. But I think no being an option is challenging. But I think it's an important part of asking for coverage. So it's our job to have those conversations with the team members who might be covering for that person. And then to make sure that they have clarity about what that involves if they are in on that um, additional work. Well, the flip side of no not being an option is that someone says yes to your face and then doesn't do it. So totally. I would much rather offer no as an option so that we're finding a yes than assume that your yes means you'll do it because you didn't have a choice in it. And now yeah. e one of us is going to end up resenting the other. Either yeah. you're going to end this up resenting you had to do coverage. You're going to feel like coverage happened to you and you didn't have mm -hmm. a choice in it. Or we're going to resent you because you said yes and you didn't do it but because we didn't offer no as an option. So I, I do That's think- That's also kind of on us, yeah. yeah I, like I, I think positioning it, I, I mean, I agree. It is harder for us to do it this way. Yes. But I think positioning that as it is hard in the beginning. It's hard at the front end, but it is preventing problems later on. And so I Absolutely. would rather do that work in advance and know that we have coverage than go, okay, everyone, here's what you're doing. No choice in it and because that's easy. And then mm -hmm. later have things fall apart. And now we're jumping. Now there's emergencies. Totally. Now there's fires we have to put out. So it's, there's stuff we didn't know. <laughs> it's yeah, harder, yeah. but just on the front end. I don't mm -hmm. think the other way is easier in, in totality. I think it's just easier at the beginning. I think it introduces a lot more problems uh, on the back end. If team members don't feel like they can say no, I think, mm -hmm. I think it's just delaying the problem. I don't think it's Yeah, they don't think they it. can say no, but it could be a no anyway. I think that is such a helpful yeah, reminder of like, just because someone said yes, this happened to me this last week. I used Apple Pay to buy some shoes, some sneakers for the conference. It had my old address. And so I called up my old landlord from the previous house that we rented and just said like, hey, do you guys mind shipping that to me? They said yes. They did not. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. They said yes. 
and I was going to pay him to do it. And then I just kept following up. At one point, they asked, oh, did you still want those? <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't yeah, buy I you shoes. <laughs> I didn't buy you women's shoes. <laughs> that would be weird. But they're they're white sneakers in my size. I got small feet. I'm sure they don't fit yours. <laughs> like it's it was just that that yes that doesn't mean anything feels so much worse than a no. And so I think reframing no as a benefit to everyone is a really helpful reframe. And Anna, I'd argue that most of the things that we talk about on here are hard at the beginning and make everything easier, are fire prevention going forward, but they are hard at the beginning. It's hard to make change and it's hard to make change that requires consistency across time. It's hard to make change that adds friction that wasn't previously there because that takes some getting used to it's it's hard to make change so i think i think being able to do it in that way is is really impactful another responsibility on us we got to make sure the work actually happens we just have to like if if we're providing coverage and we've talked to the team it's still on us to make sure that that actually happened that all of our clients needs were met that all of the things that should have happened did happen and and that is not on the person taking time off that's on us and then promote taking PTO when it is helpful for your company. Um, I think it's just too important not to promote. I think that is a really essential piece in this. And then I think even pointing and guiding your team as to when they should take time off, we don't approve time off in January unless you are going on a leave. I was like going to say, I think maternity, maternity leave. leave is the only time yeah. off we've approved because I mean, what else would you do? That's yeah. I mean, there that's not a that's not a movable schedule. So like I think I yeah, the January's always gonna be a no, but does everyone know that? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, if people are asking for January off, it's gonna be way worse if they don't know that in advance and they just get a no in response. So I what we've done this last year, we encouraged our team to take time off, which I'm really glad of because a bunch of them did. It was wonderful. And we got to share a lot of joy in that and pictures and travel and stuff. So guiding them as to when it would actually work for you for them to take time off. So for us, you know, after busy season, you're looking at, you know, May, June, July, August. That's perfect timing for people to take time off because it's past busy season. It's summer. They might have kids that are out of school. It's a great time for them to take time off. Similarly, around the holidays, it's a great time to take the take time off. Not January, not February. March, maybe, April, maybe, but like we're going to guide you toward when it's optimal for us. And you can take time off as long as it's approved, we're good. But we also want to be clear about what's helpful and what's not helpful because it's hard to take time off. It's hard to request it. It's hard to know those kinds of ins and outs, especially for newer team members. So being able to consistently communicate like, hey, don't forget, take time off this summer. We want you to. Or, hey, holidays are coming up. Make sure you get those requests in early. That kind of like messaging, as, as small and insignificant as that sounds, it makes a big difference for your team actually believing you when you say it. If you can repeat it over and over again and and be clear about what you're aiming at. Like, I want you to take time off and be with your family around the holidays. Or I want you to take time off in the summer because we all need a break. Like busy season was rough. Like get, get clear on kind of why you want your team to do this. Make sure that that's clear to them 
and guide them toward when they can do that in a way that's actually helpful for you and your firm. And then the last thing I'll say, it is our responsibility to encourage them to be 100% out. Anytime a team member makes a plan that involves them being essential when they're out. So I had a team member do this this summer. She made a request to take some time off and she had herself doing, sending a couple reports. And I just pushed back and said, but do you need to? Is that really necessary? Is someone else on the team capable of doing this? Because my preference is that you will not have to do things when you're on vacation. My preference is that you can be where you're at. I expect you to be at work 100% when you're here. So why would I expect you to be partially here when you're not? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's appropriate or fair. So when you're out and I said yes, I'm not going to expect you to be in. You have to be out. So let's make a plan for you to be out so that you can do it and get the benefit of it without the cost of continuing to work. Yeah. And I've seen that as well, where I've seen team members plan to be out and then respond to something when they're out. And and yeah. I'll just DM them to go, hey, you're out. You made a plan to be out. Now it's your responsibility to actually unplug because no one here is asking you to be plugged in. And so I think yeah. when that comes from the CEO to say, stop responding to messages, we don't want you working when you're out. I think that's super helpful. It also means I have to model that behavior, which is mm -hmm. very it's very good for me, but it is like a very annoying reminder to be like, however you want your team to behave is how you have to behave. Like you yep. are saying with your words, this is what you do. But if you immediately contradict that with your behavior, they're going to assume your behavior is true and your words are the nice thing that you're just saying. So 100%. you have to, you have to do this as leaders. We have to actually take time off ourselves, which I am doing this month. So I'm, or this, yeah, yeah, it's this month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, it's worked really well to do vacations that kind of force you to be unplugged ones that mm -hmm. are a little bit more off the grid, kind of whatever that means. I mean, it could be on the bougie side to do like a cruise or something where there's no service. It could be on the much less bougie side to go like camping. Road and, tripping. Yeah. Or and yeah. again, yeah. there's no service. Really no service is the key. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key to a good vacation. <laughs> yeah. However you arrive at that, it, it's, you know, especially if, if that's a harder habit to break, it kind of forces mm -hmm. you to. So maybe if this isn't something you normally do or it's something you've struggled with, start with that kind because it'll force you to detox. It'll force mm -hmm. you to build that habit of not responding because it's just not an option. But, yeah. but I do think that, you know, promoting the time off is exactly right. You know, we're actually encouraging actively for our team to take time off that we're, we're giving you time off. We are going to pay you to be out of the office. We believe that rest and recharging and, and doing, you know, the, the kinds of things that you love and bring joy and energy will be a net benefit to us because you won't burn out. You won't yes. be so drained by just doing the day in and day out all the time that you then aren't really giving us your best because you don't have your best to give. And so we yes. will literally give you money to not work. Please take it. <laughs> Could you take it? Is, is something, but, but I do think it matters because 
there are plenty of workplaces. I, I think this is so true when you do things like unlimited PTO, which I would also mm -hmm. highly advise against because mm -hmm. I think studies have shown when you give unlimited PTO, people take less of it because there's a lack of clarity about what is and isn't appropriate. Accruing mm -hmm. a certain amount of paid time off is complete clarity about how much time off you have to take. There's no question mm -hmm. you have as much time off to take and be paid for as is in the bank of your PTO time. So that's, it's clear. Yeah. And I'll say this last year, we made the decision to have everyone on our team accrue PTO and we did the calculation. So it's by hour. So you accrue at the rate that you work, which incentivizes our team. If you want more PTO, you'll work more. That's a benefit to us. If, if we're getting more of your time, effort and energy and knowledge and skills, then there should be a trade-off that benefits you. And, and I think that is really important, like really, really important. Yeah. And I love that shift as well, because it means that our team members who don't work 40 hours a week, we're still saying you're valuable. We want you to take time out of the office. You will accrue mm -hmm. paid time off as well. I mean, everyone gets sick time because everyone is sick and also are in California. So there's no <laughs> choice on that. We would do that anyway, because I do think that that is important and matters. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of places, you know, vacation time is seen as as a perk that is only offered to full-time employees. And I understand yeah. that. And I think I we, too. I think we did it by default, really not with mm -hmm. any like thought out plan or intention, but just, Hey, you don't have to offer it. To, well, you don't have to offer it at all, depending on your size mm -hmm. and you don't have to offer it to part-time, you know, team members, you know, it's usually only full-time, but I really like that idea of, you know, accruing based on the amount you work Everyone gets some. We want everyone to take time off because everyone has a life. Everyone has a, you know, family or friends or loved ones or activities or things they might want to do that aren't working. And so to mm -hmm. say you are not someone we will give money to take time off, but you are just feels a little too arbitrary. So I, I really like this, this decision. And I think strategically, again, like I will bring, I'll tie both ends of this because we do care about our employees and we're also not going to just be nice for the sake of being nice right. and go under because we weren't smart about our resources. We have to be good stewards with the resources that we have. And so one of the things that we've chosen to do is say, you will get time off regardless of how many hours you work, how much you get is the, is the difference. And the how much you get is contingent on how much value you're providing to us, which I think feels so fair and so even-handed. And again, I, like just to reiterate, I think it can't be overstated how meaningful it is to part-time employees to get a benefit like that, because it is likely that they have never had a benefit like that in their life. And it really, really reiterates that you value the humans that work for you if you can do things like this. And it is not actually that expensive. It's actually really easy to calculate how expensive it is too, because it's commensurate or it's, yeah, it's commensurate with the amount of work you do. So the calculation is quite straightforward too, of how much PTO we're given out in a year based on how many hours our team worked. It's so you can do some really good cost analysis on it. And it's, it's incredibly helpful to be able to do it in that way because it just means that everyone on our team gets the benefit of time outside of the office because it is valuable. 
Well, and I think especially in this time where it is really challenging to find the talent that we need in our space in particular, then having these kinds of benefits to say, hey, even if you're not at, at a place in your life where 40 hours a week is the right fit for you, we still want to offer you the opportunity to take time off and have that be paid. Like you're, you are creating a competitive advantage for your firm to attract talent when you do these kinds of benefits that aren't dumb. You know, it's not yeah, like- Not Pizza Fridays. Pet insurance no. or something that <laughs> is- you know, Which might be meaningful to certain employees, but doesn't translate to everyone. Sure. PTO does. Yes. PTO, universal benefit transfers, you know, everyone can understand it. Like, that's the other thing about benefits when, when people start kind of doing some of the weird ones. It's like, how mm-hmm. long does it take for someone to understand what this benefit is? PTO, mm. like no time. Everyone gets what that is. <laughs> Great one Negative to three. <laughs> yes. And when we say to applicants that everyone gets that, you know, part-time and full-time, I feel like we've seen some eyebrows raised. Like it is not mm-hmm. what people are expecting. Um, so, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not just cause we're nice. I, I mean, it, it would Mm-mm. be great to no. pretend that we're just so magnanimous that just out of the goodness of our hearts alone, that's true. And also it's smart. And so that's even better when you can do the kind thing and the smart thing and the wise thing like that, that is, yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. I, I would argue that it is smart not to offer it because you're just looking at the bottom line and it doesn't sound affordable. It is wise to look beyond that and look at some of the ancillary benefits like avoiding burnout on your team. That is harder to calculate, but it makes it really worth it. If you can if you can conceptualize the cost benefit, it makes a huge difference. And that benefit is not just in dollars. You can't just conceptualize it in dollars. It has to be much more well-rounded. And again, particularly because of the hiring crisis that we are currently in and does not appear to be ending anytime soon. Accounting degrees are steadily declining and have been for a long time. And so I think we're going to continue seeing this reality for a long time and how we respond to it makes a big difference for how we're going to fare in these circumstances. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so so just to recap everything that we've been talking about in this, because, you know, it seems like an out of office process should be a five minute <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look at us talking for an hour. (laughs) Make one, make a process. We did it, you know, but I think (laughs) talking about all the logistics of creating clarity around it is so important because it removes the feelings of, am I allowed to do this? How do I do it? I'm not really sure. Maybe I just won't ask for time off. You know, we're, we're trying Mm. to remove the barriers that would keep someone from doing this because we know that time off will help people sharpen the saw. will avoid that burnout. We'll retain team members when it is so hard to find and attract talent. We need to retain the talent that we have. So creating Mm -hmm. clarity in a process of here's how you take time off. Here's how all of it works. You know, we're not going to assume, you know, we're going to make that explicit so that everyone knows exactly what to do. We're going to make your part and our part explicit so that you know what you need to prep for and you know what 
our part is. Like you don't have to figure out all the coverage. You need to figure out what needs to be covered and you need to figure out if it's obvious to you that someone else on the team would make sense to cover that for you. You can give those Mm -hmm. suggestions. We'd love that input, but you don't actually have to find your own coverage. That's not an appropriate responsibility. So, so even just clarifying, here's what you need to do in a request for time off and here's what we're going to do. And so everyone knows what is and isn't their responsibility. It just means you're going to avoid a lot of like, whoa, whoa, what, what's, what are you doing? You know, afterwards, because we didn't make it clear what you should do. So we're going to make that part clear. And then we're going to encourage it both by talking about it, by saying yes, as often as we can, and by actually doing it ourselves so that we're saying and doing the thing that we're selling everyone else to do, which is to take time off which is to stop working sometimes, which is to have a healthy balance in our lives where there isn't one thing that's taking up all the space. So there's no breathing room for anything else in our lives. And I I really am challenging the idea of this uh, this work-life balance. I want to have a balanced life, which work is a component of that. And so I want to figure out how that works in my life. But overall, I want to have a life and I want our Mm -hmm. team to have a life and we want work to be part of their life, not their entire life. And so sometimes you should, you should step away and make sure you're doing those things that are good for your soul, that are good for your family, that are good for your friends, you know, really encouraging your health for your health. Don't just work all the time, man. You got to like stand up sometimes stuff. You got to go <laughs> outside. Your body stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so promoting that to our team, both by encouraging them to do it and by doing that for ourselves. And then also if you can, and, and this depends on your culture, but you know, if you can, we have a just for fun channel and it's been so awesome to see people share, you know, pics from their vacations or share, you know, their, what their kids dress up as for Halloween or just share parts of their life in a way that's, you know, obviously work appropriate and all the asterisks and like, you know, let's, it, but, but a place to celebrate that someone else is taking that time and space and that is, is willing to share a part of their life with us. Mm-hmm. I had a team member, I think this last summer, say that this is the first time she's ever been able to take a vacation and actually be 100% out of the office. This is the first job where she's ever worked, where it wasn't an expectation that she was still actually working while she's on vacation. And I can't tell you how meaningful that is to for someone to feel like my employer cares so much about me that they don't want me to work when I haven't agreed to work. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not secretly expecting me to work when I'm supposed to be on vacation. Like that builds loyalty and trust and, and just goodwill that we care about you as a human, not just transactionally as like dollars for time. You know, we care about you and we want you to do the things that are good for you. So encourage being out of the office by both encouraging it for your team and, and doing it for yourself. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good.